Hey, welcome to Biohacking with Brittany, a podcast focused on holistic health, nutrition, biohacking, and more. I'm your host, Brittany Ford, registered holistic nutritionist and self-proclaimed biohacker. During the last 10 years, I've focused on healing my gut and hormonal issues through lifestyle changes, nutrition, and of course, biohacks. And now I teach others to do the same. I'm so excited you're joining me today. So let's dive right in. Let's do it. (laughs) So welcome to Biohacking with Brittany, this episode. I am super excited because this episode is so timely because for some reason, last year I did a episode on sexual health and it's got a resurgence as of right now. Um, people have been taking photos of listening to the episode and tagging me and it came out so many like months ago. So it's so funny that today we are focusing on sexual health again, um, with Dr. Taryn Forbes, which I'm super excited about. And we're just going to be diving into libido hormones, new technology that can help with those things, especially gains wave technology, which is actually really big in the biohacking world. Um, Yeah. So as always, if you listen to this episode and you like it or you have feedback, feel free to message me, tag me in your photos. I will repost everything um, I'm happy to share and really just to connect with my listeners. So Dr. Taryn Forbes, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Brittany. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, I'm so happy you're here. So I was reading up on you and you are a osteopathic doctor. Yes. That, I don't know. Do you have any osteopathic doctors up in Canada? We do. Um, okay. And I've also been to one before. And oh, very good. It was very interesting because the approach is very holistic, but yeah. uh, almost like a lot similar to chiropractic, but not in a in a way of like, it was almost, I'm trying to think back when I went back, when I went to see one, she was basically very, she was a lot softer with my body, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, and just more, it's just a completely different approach. So yeah. even before we like dive into hormones and sexual health, like if you want to just like talk about your background with that and your approach, I would love to hear that. Yeah. So Thanks. Um, I have always been uh, into nutrition and wellness, you know, growing up with the family. um, We were all mostly athletes and um, our parents both were into nutrition and supplements before they were really cool (laughs) and before the biohacking era. (laughs) And, um, And I was the youngest of four and actually all my siblings went to chiropractor, uh, chiropractic school. And, you know, I was struggling with whether or not to go to med school or chiropractic school. And they actually guided me, steered me towards osteopathic medicine. They said, you know, if we were to do it all over again, we'd go to um, uh, osteopathic school because it really blends, uh, you know, the medical side and chiropractic medicine, you know, but you get a lot more in-depth musculoskeletal training than the average um, MD school. And so, yeah, so that's, that's the route I, I took. And it, it kind of, it 
it also um, fell in line with kind of my philosophy, my more holistic approach to medicine. So, right, exactly, um, and that's exactly what I felt when I went to go see one myself. So, yeah. when you work with clients right now, what what type of common issues and health problems are you seeing the most? So that's a great question. Um, you know, we see basically in the U.S. here, and I know Canada is facing it as well, but um, people are just, you know, overfed, undernourished, they're relatively sedentary, they're not sleeping, they're not meeting their nutrient needs, they've got toxic load, um, their hormones are completely out of whack, their cortisol is, you know, either sky high or like in the dumps. And, um, and so, yes, we're really, I, I feel quite honored the practice that I work work at. Um, we actually have the opportunity to work with the, our clients and patients for a full day. And, um, which is so far from what I started out, you know, outside of a re residency, I was seeing, you know, 30 patients a day going to six hospitals, um, on call every third night and, um, third weekend and really practicing the type of medicine I did not want to practice. It was more like cookie cutter, um, medicine, because if you imagine you, you can only cram so much into visits, you know, in terms of counseling patients on lifestyle and so forth. And so, um, it wasn't until I really, um, I was pregnant with my first child and I, and I lost my baby settling when I was eight months pregnant. So almost full term. And, um, that was my biggest wake up call. And I pursued kind of, um, I signed up for my fellowship in anti-aging and regenerative medicine. And so then I went to, I joined a practice where I was, I was doing my fellowship. I stopped going to the hospitals. And um, I was seeing patients and I had the opportunity of spending an hour with them. And I thought that was so wonderful because it was four times as, as long as I had with my previous job. And now um, I've worked at Masley Optimal Health Center for now uh, three years almost. And I have a full day with our new patients, you know, and we're basically taking all their issues that, you know, the majority of the um, patients are facing and dealing with. And um, I'm creating basically a very personalized, holistic um, plan to reclaim their health, balance their hormones, meet their nutritional needs, lower their cortisol, um, get them losing weights, making them feel sexier and sharper and fitter. And um, it's super cool. That's awesome. I love that. Um, that's very similar to what I do with my own clients as well, actually, is, is very holistic. And I just think that's the best approach in really healing a lot of the issues that people are dealing with is yes. looking, finding the root cause and then healing it through multiple ways and multiple measures, not necessarily just like pop this one sim, uh, pop this one supplement or this one pill and it's going to fix everything type of idea. Absolutely. You know, I like to say that I went to a holistic medical school, but in the same token, we were still very much taught to diagnose and prescribe 
drugs, even at an osteopathic mm -hmm. miss, you know, medical school. Um, we did, we did get, I, w I will say we probably got more um, training with, in terms of looking at the patient, you know, mind, body, and spirits than, you know, my allopathic um, colleagues. But, you know, just as a whole, we're very much trained and it, to, to diagnose and prescribe. And that was so against my um, underlying beliefs. So, mm -hmm. yes, I love that you, you see eye to eye with me for sure. Totally. So diving into hormones further, yes. um, if you're dealing, I'm not sure necessarily how old your typical client is. But if you're dealing with women, younger women who are facing hormonal issues, specifically libido issues, because um, this is kind of what I see a lot in my practice, yeah. What, where do you start with that? If we had, if you had a you know thirty-year-old female come to you and say, "Look, I have no libido. What's going on? This shouldn't be happening at this point." Like, wh where would you start? Yeah. So that's a great question. So I see, I see the whole gamut. I see, you know, um, I think my youngest female patient is 15 and then, you know, all the way up to 80 years old. So I see the whole gamut, but I do see a lot of young women and, um, it's truly an epidemic with, with um, low libido for young women. And I think one of the root causes is definitely high cortisol. Um, just we're stressed these days. Women have, you know, I like to say we're warriors, but we have these like these unremitting stress and ex and like unrealistic expectations that are placed on us. And, um, you know, we just live in a crazy world these days. You know, we're not eating well. Um, we're eating convenience foods, high sugar foods. We're drinking alcohol probably more than we should, um, unfortunately. Um, we're not exercising as much. We're more sedentary. Um, we're not sleeping, I think, with electronics, you know, and um, our whole circadian rhythm's off and people are staying up and not going to bed with the sunset, which we're supposed to. And there's just a ton of toxins. So, so really I go over um, kind of the five pillars of health with my patients. So nutrition, fitness, stress management, sleep, supplements, um, and toxins, and kind of assess that just when they're intake. So I spend like a good hour kind of getting their history, um, how they got there, um, you know, looking at all those, uh, lifestyle issues and if they've been on birth control pill, that's, that's huge. I don't know how well your municipal water filters out birth control pills, but here in the States, um, the municipal water where we are, it doesn't filter out birth control pills and that absolutely wreaks havoc on our testosterone. Mm. which is largely related to libido and, and we're, you know, there's synthetic hormones, synthetic, um, progestins like that mm. definitely, um, send our libido down into, uh, the dumps. So I really, uh, assess them that way. And then, um, you know, of course we look at blood work. We talk about gut health because gut health is really important as well with your hormones 
and how you, um, if you recirculate your toxins. Um, and then we do, you know, we look, do a bunch of blood work. I look at cortisol levels. So I will check sometimes a random cortisol, AM cortisol, but really the gold standard, I believe, is the saliva testing. And it's looking at kind of your, your diurnal variation of your cortisol. So it's a four-point cortisol measurement um, throughout the day. Looking at, I don't know if you've done that, Brittany, but it can tell us a lot, you know. Um, a lot of women these days, young women are... Um, you know, they have kind of a reverse diurnal uh, curve. So typically, uh, ideally, your cortisol should be the highest in the morning. And then it should gradually drop off during the course of the day so that when it comes nighttime, you're actually ready to sleep. And a lot of women are more um, stressed in the uh, second part of the day, and they're kind of wired but tired. And um, often face, I see a lot of women who suffer from anxiety and insomnia and, um, and which wreaks havoc. So we check salivary cortisol levels. We'll also ideally for ovulating women. Um, so women who have not gone through menopause, um, we check like a, I'll check a, a 24 or sorry, a 30 day Dutch test which checks urine metabolites and it can kind of talk, it can um, assess like if they're, you know, progesterone, if they're actually ovulating mid cycle. Mm -hmm. So, which is super important. Sometimes if we don't do that, like if that's rather inconvenient for women, we'll do like a progesterone level at 20, at 21 days or 22 days of their cycle. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of where we start with like low libido. And, um, I think the birth control, uh, issue is very important. Um, yeah, you know, it, it definitely can wreak havoc. And there is some evidence, unfortunately, that, um, use of birth control pill can raise sex hormone binding globulin and which binds testosterone and and so you have less free bioavailable testosterone and there is some evidence that that can persist in time so even after you discontinue your birth control pill um you can have you know this elevated sex hormone binding globulin which is concerning to me i think too many i think too many young women are on birth control and um have been prescribed for you know, reasons such as acne or, um, because they wanted, you know, they didn't want to get a period. So maybe they're on continuous birth control. And I truly believe, I don't know if you've, um, read the work of Jolene, Dr. Jolene Brighton, but, uh, she speaks a lot about birth control pills and this kind of post birth control syndrome. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I've read some of her work. Um, and I've also done the saliva test that you were talking about, the curve one. Yes. Um, if there are Canadians listening, you can do it through most of the naturopaths throughout, throughout Canada. Um, that's how I did mine. And so I did mine a few years ago. And this was back when I worked more corporate than I do now. 
Um, and I still had my curve, but it was lower than where it should be. So it kind of explained the symptoms that I was dealing with at the time. Um, and yeah, which was basically like fatigue, <laughs> just yeah. like no, no energy really to get through the day. Um, yeah. So, and in terms of libido, it's so interesting that you talk about birth control, which is of course related to it. But I was just reading about birth control in water. Um, so I know how you touched on that affecting testosterone, testosterone in women, but does it increase it or does it decrease it? Like, what do you find in relation to that? It decreases it. Mm, okay. And, and of course, like we want that to be at an optimal level for women, but not too high either. Yes. Not too high, but just kind of that sweet spot. Of course. Just kind of that sweet spot. And, and by the way, so it also affects men's testosterone. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, in addition to like pesticides and so forth, but, um, which are, you know, a lot, very much in the water pesticides and, um, birth control pills. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I have filters on all of my taps and on my shower and everything for these reasons. Um, yeah. And honestly, it's such an easy, affordable hack that can make such a difference in your health. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Absolutely. So in terms of libido, uh, I don't know if there's a, like one answer for this, but if someone's listening to this and saying, okay, like, I don't know what my libido should be like. You know, I'm a young female, I'm a young male, but usually most of my audience is females. Um, Is there a way, like, what would you say it should feel like really for the average person? Like, how do they know if their libido is at the right place um, in their life right now? That's a great question. I think when you're young, in your 20s, early 30s, like your libido should be pretty good. I mean, it should be, you know, especially if you're in a relationship, you should really desire it. You know, you should desire it. Um, your hormones should be optimal. Now you do have your biggest drop in your testosterone between the age of 18 and 34, but it's still very much, it should very much be optimal still. So, you know, I, I think personally that, that women should be thinking about and desiring it like on a, almost a daily basis for sure in their twenties and early thirties. And, and so if you're not desiring it, um, and you're in a relationship, then it could possibly mean that your test, you know, your testosterone is low or your cortisol, your cortisol is in the dumps or it's too high you know, and when it's too high, you can get this, this, um, this kind of steel phenomenon. And, um, where basically your cortisol steals all your building blocks for the rest of your hormones. And yes. And so you're not going to want, you're not going to want to have intercourse. Mm -hmm. You're going to be too tired. You're just going to be thinking about how to make it through the day. Mm -hmm. So if you, you know, if your cortisol, so if your cortisol is too high, there are definitely, you know, obviously meditation, um, 
you know, deep breathing, yoga, Wim Hof breathing is, I'm a huge fan of, I don't know if you've heard of Wim Hof breathing, um, but love it. I love using this device called New Calm, um, which kind of puts you in that meditative state. It upregulates like theta wave activity, um, which allows you to kind of shut shut off your mind basically and get into that meditative trends, you know, trans kind of state. So that that's really helpful. But really we need to be taking um time to actively manage stress. If you're if your cortisol's high, you need to be um looking at your diet. So things that raise cortisol levels is, is you know sugar uh, alcohol, caffeine, so excess of any of those. And, um, you know, sometimes like gluten and sometimes foods that have a bunch of toxins, like those all put physical stress on your body. So, so stressors in your body, either mentally because you're overworked and, you know, in the corporate world, like you, you were, um, that's like very much a mental stress, but then the physical stress is kind of the damage that you're putting on your body. And that all raises, that all raises cortisol, which then can, um, you know, steal from your sex hormones. So if, you know, in terms of supplements as well, we have you typically doing like adrenal adaptogens, um, relora, ashwagandha, rhodiola um those are all really calming uh adrenal adaptogens um i love l-theanine that seems to be calming if you suffer from you know you're tired but wired in the evening and can't sleep one of my favorites is phosphatidylserine um so if so yes basically if the if the cortisol is the reason for the low libido then we have to the high cortisol then we have to lower it with doing you know with focusing on the nutrition with exercising but not um exercising and kind of looking at high high uh, sorry heart rate variability to kind of guide you what kind of exercise you should be doing that day um if your heart rate variability I don't know if your your um, listeners are familiar with heart rate variability, but basically your heart rate should fluctuate quite mm-hmm. a bit. And mm-hmm. um, if it doesn't, then you need to manage your stress um, and turn to things more like yoga and um, more like maybe a long walk instead of mm-hmm. like I'm a big fan for high intensity intervals. Um, and some of these more like intense kind of workouts, but if your heart rate variability in the morning is just not there, then, you know, you kind of have to curtail your level of exercise and then we need to get you sleeping well. And, um, and then looking at the nutrients that we talked about and, um, and the toxins. And so, so if your cortisol is low, conversely, it could mean that, you know, you've kind of, you've been burned out a little bit and we need to support those, um, adrenals. Licorice is one of my favorites. So glycericin, which is actually supposed to be helpful with, um, with COVID-19 with preventing, uh, the virus from actually binding to the ACE2 receptors. Interesting little pearl. (laughs) Um, so, and then if it's, if it's a, 
because if it's a low testosterone issue, um, which may very well be from environmental toxins, but also may be the result of kind of this, you know, raised cortisol, or you don't have enough, you know, um, maybe also, you know, like some women who, um, aren't meeting their nutrient needs and are like suffering from eating disorders. Sometimes their cholesterol is low, which is a building block for testosterone and for all your sex hormones. So, um, if your cholesterol is too low because your diet is too restrictive, then that will cause low libido as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, sorry, that was a long winded <laughs> or long winded answer. There's just, um, we kind of really tackle it from all different directions, but really getting down to the root cause of why, um, you have the libido is low libido is, is the key. Yeah. Exactly. I totally agree. Um, and that's the point of biohacking and holistic health, right? Is to tackle it from so many different perspectives um, yes. to really figure out what's going on. And I, I think that's perfect. And I totally, totally agree with what you're saying. Um, so, I'm so sorry. I forgot also, Brittany, sometimes mm -hmm. like estrogen dominance can be a cause for low libido as well. So some women, so I like to think like your, so it's not just testosterone um, that's involved in libido. It's also balanced kind of between like a seesaw too with your estrogen and progesterone. And women, you know, um, can start to see a decline in their progesterone. And it, it's very much stress related. Um, but then, you know, especially if they're carrying excess weight or there's xenoestrogens in the environment that's raising their estrogen levels up, then they become more estrogen dominant. And in more of an estrogen dominant state, um, you know, you just feel bloated, you feel more irritable, more annoyed with your partner and absolutely not wanting intercourse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, interesting. It's I'm kind of going down my own health, actually, my own hormone health journey right now, um, which we can talk about. Yes. But I, when I was looking at your your background and kind of like what you specialize in, I saw that you work with bioidentical hormones. Yeah. Um, and it's something I actually haven't talked about on the podcast yet. So. I'll give you a bit of background on myself, I, which I haven't really publicly talked about either, but um, I'm having my own issues with my period and kind of the idea that I'm not really ovulating slash might be PCOS, but I don't think it's PCOS because I don't really have any of the other symptoms. Um, so I had my first, I'm, I have a fertility doctor. Um, and I tried bioidentical progesterone for the first time yes. and it was interesting. And I obviously got my period after, which was the point of me going on it. Um, I'm not on it indefinitely. It was just the one time. Yeah. Um, so I would just love for you to like explain what bioidentical hormones are to everybody listening, um, what your take on them is and if they, if they have a role in holistic health. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, well, bioidentical hormones are identical to what is in our body. 
as opposed to synthetic progestins um, that are in like a lot of your birth control pills and that are so, so progestin and medroxyprogesterone, those are synthetic progestin, progestin. So they're different than progesterone, but they're, they're supposed to act like progesterone. They really don't. Um, but they do impair like, you know, ovulation and so forth. So they do serve the purpose in, in preventing pregnancies. And then, um, like, for instance, with estrogens, so synthetic estrogens, um, in the past for postmenopausal women, we used, um, and, and, you know, there's synthetic estrogens and birth control pills as well, but, but the, um, like Premarin, for instance, was a, was, was estrogen derived from like horse's urine. So it really wasn't estradiol, which is what is in our body. And so bioidentical hormones is really using what is identical to in our, and to what we make and it's restoring, um, your levels into optimal range. So we use, um, we often use oral micronized progesterone. Um, did you use the oral by, I guess you would have done the oral most likely. Yes. Did you do oral? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so we do a lot of oral. You can do actually progesterone suppositories. You can do progesterone cream. I like the oral, especially for women who, um, you know, have difficulty sleeping, which I find is very common, like after the age of 30, for a lot of women who um, kind of start to see, some of them start to see a little drop in their progesterone early. And your, your progesterone is your natural volume. Like it, just calms you. It just relaxes you. Um, it very much balances it. I, I like to think like the progesterone's like calming and estrogen is what makes you sexy and more like diva like. And so you kind of, you really want like a balance between those two. So anyway, so they, um, and then yes, the estri estradiol we use, um, we use topically, we use patches. We never do orally for either estrogen or testosterone because it can um, increase your risk of like inflammation to the liver. It has to go through the liver through the first pass, um, you know, for detoxification and it can, it can inflame, inflame the liver. But then also oral estrogen can increase your risk of like uh, blood clots and thromboembolism, which can lead to heart attacks and strokes. So you always do cream or um, patches, or we even do pellets. So we can do pellet, bioidentical pellets um, that are inserted right under the skin. We do that typically at testosterone, sometimes estrogen, rarely progesterone. Usually we do the progesterone via oral route. Um, so yes, and we're just, we're trying to you know, we're really trying to um, optimize one's health and make women feel balanced and protect their brain and reduce cardiovascular risk and so forth. So, um, and protect their bones. There's so much, you know, so many benefits to um, to our hormones. And we realize like postmenopausally, we are at greater risk and um, especially like looking at heart heart disease, you know, our our risk is much lower before menopause and then after menopause. It's on par with men, 
And so um, it can be very cardioprotective. And, um, you know, there was a big women's health initiative that, what, that came out in the early 2000s. And um, it was a large clinical trial. And it was actually stopped early because um, women that were on hormones were found to have increased risk um, of colon cancer, uh, heart attack, and breast cancer. And then they, you know, really they were using um, synthetic progestins, so synthetic progesterone, which is totally different. And they were using, you know, horses' urine basically as estrogens and so forth. And even that, even so, though, they did rec, a retrospective study and they looked at, they, or the same study, they went back and looked at um, those patients. And in fact, there was no increased risk. There was actually protection, even with the um, unfavorable hormones, like they weren't using nice bioidentical hormones. So bioidentical hormones are just overall much more safe and clean and don't have the um, associated risks when dosed correctly. Right. Um, so do you think it's okay for women to be on bioidentical hormones longer term? I do. I do. I think that, um, you know, we're not going to give, you know, we're not going to take a 50 or 60 year old woman and make them like 20 again. Um, <laughs> that's not the goal, you know, but I think that truly, I mean, we have estrogen receptors on every single one of our cells as well as progesterone, like in all of our organs. So, um, it's incredibly important. Like our hormones are incredibly important. Um, and that, and we see age, you know, we're just more susceptible to diseases of aging when, um, when women no longer have that. I see, you know, it's, it's funny. I had a woman in today who had a hysterectomy, you know, this was 15 years ago and she can't even remember why this is crazy, but she had her whole entire like female parts taken out. She had her a complete hysterectomy. Mm -hmm. So uterus and ovaries and she was 41 and she can't even remember. I'm like, that is so disturbing. So basically she was thrown into menopause and she had such a horrific time. Like it was uh, honestly her cortisol like plummeted. She um, ended up getting Lyme disease she ended up getting Epstein-Barr virus. Like it put a massive stress. Now, granted, most people don't have that happen to them today. You know, there's usually like a much more gradual decline in hormones. But um, yeah, it's just crazy how, you know, we used to think that hormones were like, yeah, might as well take out your ovaries and your uterus. You know, you won't need them after 50 anyways. That's just crazy to me. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, there's abs, there's a ton of research that has come out um, showing that hormones, bioidentical hormones can protect the brain in women um, postmenopausally. And women are at much greater risk for developing Alzheimer's like that. It's, it's getting more and more prevalent and it hits us harder, um, for whatever reason, probably a lot of environmental toxins that we're exposed to as well as 
cortisol and everything and blood sugar issues, but also, you know, um, if we have a means of kind of protecting our brains, I mean, I personally, after seeing all the evidence, you know, when I go through menopause, I will be on hormones and I probably will be on hormones lifelong, but that being said, I plan on checking my urine metabolites um, that check how you are metabolizing hormones to make sure I'm not increasing my risk of, you know, specifically breast cancer. And, um, you know, just, and, and so we can check, we have that ability to kind of check urine hormones. And in fact, I, I recommend all my women who are on bioidentical hormones, we check their, um, serum and sometimes salivary as well, but we also check urine, but I make sure that they do the urine at least once a, once a year. Mm-hmm. And then if they, you know, cause yeah, it gets complicated. I'll let you, I'll let you ask me the next question. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, thank you for that explanation. Um, it's it's interesting. I think bioidentical hormones can be very useful when used appropriately um, and for the right reasons. And of course, it's such a better solution than a hysterectomy, um, which oh, is a serious, yeah. serious surgery and has serious can have serious impacts on your health, um, yes. short term and long term. So, yeah, and I. I wish that more women knew about bioidentical hormones because I'm not sure about in your practice, but in my practice, which is mostly, I'd say like women under 35 or so, um, a lot of them do know about bioidentical hormones, but in my mom's age group, all of her friends, a lot of them don't know about it and they don't know about this other solution. So I I wonder why that is. I wonder if it's a generational thing. an education thing. It's, it's very interesting. I think so many women were scared by the women's health initiative. I still have patients. I mean, I educate them all the time. Um, because I, you know, I'll say really, I really think that you would benefit from hormone replacement therapy and they're like, Oh, I can't do that. I don't want to, it's not worth it to me. You know, I, I don't need to have sex. I don't, I don't need that. I don't want to risk my, you know, I don't want to die from cancer. They're so scared and terrified because this woman's health initiative that was, um, you know, the, the conclusions from the study were just so flawed and, um, and you know, it's, so I think that there's a lot of fear in that, you know, the little older generation, but it's just Mm -hmm. a matter of, you know, um, re-educating them. But yeah, yeah, I think the 30 some year olds are more savvy and there's just, there's more out there, more information. And, um, you know, there are a lot of biohackers that are just trying to like optimize their health and do what they do, what they absolutely can, which I think is awesome. I love it. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear so. So switching gears a bit from bioidentical hormones, I would love to talk about Gainswave uh, technology. Now, I've, I have not used it, of course, because it's for men. Um, but I've also never 
really spoken to anybody who has used it personally. So if you could just dive into it and explain what it is and kind of the results that you're, you're seeing from it. Yes. So it's awesome technology. It's been hugely rewarding to bring that into my practice. And we actually do use it on men and women. Um, but usually the women I'm using it on are a little bit older. Um, so what it does, it actually uses sound waves. So it's the same technology that, um, that has been used for decades to break up, um, kidney stones and do the lithotripsy. And so what it does, it actually helps break up microcalcifications in the arteries that feed the genitals. And it wakes up stem cells and local growth factors in that area. And it promotes angiogenesis, which is creation of new blood supply and new vessels. So um, for men in particular, there's, there's lots of clinical studies that have come out over the last 12 some years, um, I think even 14 now, but um, that show that's safe and effective for reversing and improving erectile dysfunction. So, which is incredibly common. I don't know if you've heard the statistics, but 30% of men over 30 um, have some degree of erectile dysfunction, 40% of men over 40, and 50% of men over 50, 60%, yada, yada, yada. Wow. So it's incredibly, um, incre- incredibly prevalent. So um, yes, we see great results. And it very much falls in line with my philosophy is like getting down to the root cause of disease. And um you know, addressing it there instead of just popping a pill, you know, popping a pill is going Mm -hmm. to help. And actually there is data that taking like daily Cialis or, um, Tadalafil or, um, daily Viagra, like in a lower, much lower dose can actually improve, um, vascular health in men. Um, but you know, for men who are intolerant of these medications and really don't want to take medications, this is a really great solution. And, um, we also use in conjunction with a, like a, um, a penis pump. So we have the men basically do, um, bicep curls for their penis. So it's this vacuum device that basically recommends, um, that the men do for five to 10 minutes a day, um, daily during the kind of regenerative period. So you, my average gains wave, uh, customer comes in for, you know, if they're, if they've got mild to moderate severity of, of erectile dysfunction, we have them fill out kind of this questionnaire to kind of gauge how, how um, much help they may need. And um, based on like protocols that Gainswave um, physicians have studied and um, used, then we would use like six treatments. And so that, you know, it's one to two treatments a week Um, so for anywhere between three to six weeks. And so I like to say during that regenerative time period, that's when we're restoring things 
it's really important that you continue, like we, we get blood flowing to that area on a daily basis with a pump. And, um, sometimes we send them home with trochies, which are, um, like compound from a compounded pharmacy and it's, um, apomorphine and tadalafil. So it helps with gaining erections and just promoting blood flow. And, um, and yes, yeah, so my females, we actually call it Femi wave. So my females, you know, particularly if I suspect that they have any microcalcifications in their arteries down there as well, which women accumulate, you know, calcifications in their arteries as well. And so I will use it, um, prior to doing the O shot, which is, you know, a regenerative, uh, treatment using PRP or platelet rich plasma for females. Right. So the gains wave technology is used by practitioners. So you have to go use it in office, correct? Yes. Right. So it's not something you can buy and take home, but then the things like the penis pumps and the other things that you were talking about are things that you can do by yourself. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So we send, we send our patients home with a penis pump their first visit. So right. they don't have to go into a sex shop or actually mm -hmm. you can buy them on Amazon now. And, um, but our Jaceva medical actually does a great penis pump. Um, that's really easy to use, but yes, we, we generally, uh, provide our patients with penis pumps and most of the gains wave practitioners do have them available. Some charge for them. Some give it complimentary. We give ours complimentary with treatments. That's awesome. Yeah, I was, I was looking at the map of where all the practitioners are, and there are some in Canada. Um, it's increasing, yeah. and then there's obviously a ton in the States. So definitely, yeah. listeners, if you are interested in this or you know someone who's interested in this type of thing, um, there are people who do this probably close to you um, if you're in North America. Yes. Highly, highly recommend it. And, you know, men don't have to have erectile dysfunction to get it done. Like I have a lot of young men, actually my husband was my first patient and he was 40 at the time. And he, you know, he didn't have any issues with getting erections, but definitely knows to decline. Like he wasn't getting morning erections like he should. And, um, so he was my first patient, believe it or not. And it, totally restored things. He was like, Oh my gosh, this is awesome. So we definitely have young patients come in. Um, and often they'll come in for a P shot. And what I'll do is actually combine it with the gains wave because they work hand in hand. So I often give the gains wave treatment followed by, um, the P shot, which is PRP platelet rich plasma. So I don't know if your listeners are familiar with that, but mm -hmm. that's where, um, we draw your blood essentially and we spin it down in a special centrifuge and, um, and we inject it into key areas, you know, in the shaft and the head uh, to just help deliver growth factors into the penis and um, which helps with repair of tissue, helps, you know, men anecdotally, we are not supposed to say it helps with girth or size, but anecdotally, they say they improve, they have improved fullness and improved performance sensitivity. So it's very cool. And we do the same thing for the woman. Like I said, it's O shots, but it's, um, injected into the clitoris and then, um, right under the urethra and the vaginal vault. 
Wow. Interesting. Yeah. It's so cool. I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty big in the biohacking world. Um, yeah, I've been hearing about gains wave technology for quite a while now. So, um, I'm so excited to have someone on who can actually like talk about it. Um, yeah, so I will definitely like link all of that in the show notes for anyone listening who is interested in kind of moving forward with that. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on. Like this was such a great episode. I learned so much from libido to hormones to gains wave. Um, yeah. And like, thank you for just breaking everything down for, for the listeners. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brittany. It truly was a pleasure. You're awesome. And, and keep it up, keep inspiring others, keep, you know, delivering great messages to, um, to the listeners. Cause it is really, it really helps. I think it's, awesome you know with these informative podcasts like it um it can really make the difference and now in this day and age you know um physicians really don't have the time to educate their patients so knowledge comes from people like you that are really just spreading the word uh thank you so much and likewise to you um yeah i yeah we definitely have a big role in in health and in society's health right now. And it's awesome. It's, it's a good place to be. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. As always, feel free to screenshot this episode and tag me if you'd like me to respond. I really hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. If you have a question about your health, my DMs are always open and I'm currently taking new clients. Thanks and see you next time.